Hi, welcome to the Acts Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! If you're taking down notes, we are continuing our Blockbuster Sunday series. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, today we'll be learning uh, from Monsters University. Lessons from Monsters University or the more spiritual title, Building a Good Team. Building a Good Team. And, uh, you know, we want you to understand that the Word of God is really practical. It's not just good for spiritual needs, but it also helps us and gives us principles that will make us effective uh, in the marketplace. Whether your marketplace is university, college, schools, uh, or even in the workforce. Um, But at the same time, you know, this a lesson that we're going to learn today also carries a spiritual weight. And so today, I hope that you'll be able to walk away with some good leadership principles so that you'll be able to, when working together in a team, and in life, we always have to work in teams, uh, you know, sooner or later, uh, one way or another. Uh, but I pray that it will not only help give you a leadership edge when it comes to working in a team and make you a good team player, uh, but it will also speak to your soul. Uh, because how many know that we are also part of a team? Amen? And I'll explain that more later on. Uh, but let's fix our eyes on the screen and uh, let's watch the first clip and then I'll be back. i got three points for you. We'll start the first one. To build a good team, you got to start with acceptance. you got to accept the fact that you need a team. Earlier on in the clip that we watch, all the monsters, they're going through this little competition, the scare games. And, you know, one by one, you saw the different teams, you know, telling each other, hey, it's about teamwork. we got to stick together. And only a few of the monsters that we followed, you know, didn't follow the rules. And they no, it's all about me, me. As long as I got me, we're going to be okay. And that's the thing that we got to understand, that the way we were created by God, we were not created to be solo. We're not created to be lone wolf, you know. I I won't ask you to raise your hands, you know, but I I was thinking of asking you to raise your hands to go like, how many of you here see yourself as a team player? You know, how many of you here see yourself as as a lone wolf? You know, but I'm here to remind us, regardless of how you view yourself, we are built by God, designed by God to function best when we function as part of a community, when we function as part of a team. And this is not just, you know, me giving you a pep talk. This is, you know, according to the Word of God. You know, the Bible says that we are created in God's image. And God Himself functions as a team. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And many times we think that it's about me. You know, I don't need other stuff. It's me, me, me. But God is saying that, you know, I love you, but you function best when you're part of a team. And, and a lot of people struggle with this because people like to say that, you know what, you know, I love God, but I don't like the church. And I just want, you know, just me and God, me and God. And I'm not saying that if just you and God, you can't be blessed, but if it's just you, you can't achieve much. There's a difference between being blessed and, and achieving. And God wants us not just to receive His blessing, but for us to achieve. You know, I, I did some research and, and I have the quote here. You can never climb Mount Everest alone. A lot of us here, we want blessing, but God wants us to, to climb mountains. God wants us to conquer the troubles of life. You know, and the thing is this, you know, uh, when I ask you this, you know, who was the first person to climb Mount Everest? You would say, 
Okay, okay, wow. Okay, cool. This is uh, interesting. You know, if I to tell you, name me five members of the Avengers, man, you get all the answers out, you know, and I ask you real life facts. Sir Edmund Hillary. Right now that you mentioned his name, you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds familiar, you know. I think I follow him on Instagram. Uh, and, uh, you know, Sir Emma Hillary was, you know, he was a New Zealand citizen, but, you know, he was the first person to, to, to reach the peak of Mount Everest. But the truth is this, while we remember him, uh, he didn't do it alone, you know, and he had a Sherpa with him, you know. How many know what the Sherpa's name is? Yeah? Okay, don't worry. Go back and Google some homework for you. But it was a Sherpa and him who, you know, reached the mount together. But not just them. They were actually part of a 200-man team. And so many times, you know, we, the world celebrates achievements by, by, you know, saying that one person and making that person an icon. But behind every Steve Jobs, the whole team of engineers working hard, you know, behind every famous person, behind every Zuckerberg, it's a whole team of people programming. And so God is reminding us, amen? Let's turn to some scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Let's go to how God created us and what He spoke over us so that you know that your pastor is speaking the truth. Amen? We are built to work with other people. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God declares this, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You know, and many times we only use this as a, a, you know, a promise to say, God, you see, you know, your word says it's not good for men to be alone. So God, where is my missing rib? God, where is my wife? But you notice here, God's focus is also not to say that, you know, and I will make him a lover. No, no, no. Comparable to him. He said, I will make him a helper. So God's original intention, even for marriage, is not to have your love needs met because your love needs are supposed to be met by God and God first. But when you are coming together, you know, and God designed us, you know, to work together, that's why when we are born, we are immediately born into a team. That team is called family. You know, one day you will start your own team, you know, and then could be, if those of you who are called to be entrepreneurs, you will have your business team, your, your social media team, different teams, but also your, your, your family, your marriage, your wife. Two of you, when you come together, it's part of a team. But it's not so that you can have endless holidays and, 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 and PDA every day and make all the single people feel really awkward in church. But to actually achieve more, that's God's original plan. We are meant to be team players. And that's why it's so important for us to have a good grasp so that we become good team players, we become good team builders. In fact, you know, this is so counterculture to the world because the world celebrates players. MVP, most valuable player. I think the, the world should celebrate MVTP, most valuable team player. Anyway, let's go to some scripture. I'm <laughs> looking at church, a lot of competitive people that look at me like, no, Pastor, I don't agree. Well, okay, let's go to the Word of God. Okay, and this is not only how God created us, you know, as human beings, but how God desires for His church to function. Do you know that church is your team? You see, do you notice that God, the moment you're birth, you're part of a team. When you eventually grow up, your desire, oh, I want to be married, but in, in, in that really is a desire to build a team of your own. 
And then when you join God's family, He puts you in a team called His church. And so let's look at the first church and look at how they function. And you realize that, you know, God even desires for, for the church to function as a team because together, only when together they can achieve more. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, let's look at what a great team the first church is and let's be inspired by that. And they, the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Do you realize there's teamwork before there were signs and wonders? So you know, when you work together as a team, when you begin to invest in team, when you, when you accept the fact that I need to be part of a team, a team called church, a team called homes, a team called Expresso, for those who are serving in church. It commands a blessing. And it says here, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So they didn't just come together, they invested in each other. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. Do you see even how favour comes about? Sometimes we say, oh God, grant me favour. When you begin to invest in the team, when you begin to accept the fact that I need to work as a team, I need to be a good team player, I need to lead a team well, then favour comes. And the Lord added, not just favour, but increase. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So point number one, accept the fact. A lot of us here, when we look at working as a team, you know, we see it as a chore. We can either see it as, a, oh, this is a means to an end, or some of us, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, you even see it as, a, oh, good, people to do my bidding for me. Oh, no, I love working in teams because I get to lead it. Amen. Don't, don't raise your hands if you have worked with people like that. You know, people who would every opportunity to work as a team, they immediately wrestle to be the head honcho, the one that barks the orders and does the least amount of work. But God wants us to say that, you know what? You know, have part of a team is, is how you're designed to be. You know, teamwork is not so that you can lord it over others, but so that you can serve one another and so that you can actually tap into your most potent potential. It's actually through teamwork, through accepting that we need to work together, that we cultivate God's blessing and God's increase and we're able to go so much more further in life. But we're not just here to give you, you know, some pointers for life, but what about spiritually speaking? Do you know that you're also part of a team? Yeah, yeah, pastor, you mentioned church. No, no, no. More than that. Do you know the moment you accept Christ, you're part of a team? The Holy Spirit lives in you. You know, in Romans, you know, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 9, if not mistaken, it says the Spirit of God lives in you. So if Jesus, and another name or title they give to Jesus was Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, we know this, you know, during Christmas, we see it all the time, Emmanuel. It means God with us. So if Jesus is God with us, then the Holy Spirit is God in us. And what we need to understand is this, that you know, God desires for us to also be a good team player with the Holy Spirit. 
Because it's truly not by might, not by strength, not by our own ability, not by our own talents that we're able to even serve God. It's through the Holy Spirit's enabling. Because of the Holy Spirit, we're able to worship God. Because of the Holy Spirit, we're able to say, Jesus is Lord. Because of the Holy Spirit. And so being a good team player is also a question you've got to ask yourself. Are you a good team player with the Holy Spirit? Do you even realize that you're on the Holy Spirit's team. And I pray that we do. Amen? But I got three points. The first point is acceptance, and then we're going to move into action. Because now that you accept the fact and know the truth that you need to be part of a team, you are part of a team, whether you like it or not, especially if you're a believer, you're on the team Holy Spirit, then now the next question you're going to ask yourself is, what do we need to do to make the team work? For that to happen, let's watch the next clip and then I'll be back. There's no such thing as the perfect team. There's no such thing as the perfect family. There's no such thing as the perfect church. There's no such thing as the perfect workplace environment. But what we have as Christians is the ability to apply some action, to work that team so that the team will work. And so in the clip that we just watched, you saw in the first scene, you know, they came in last in the scare games, but then decide to work at it. And the more they work at it, the better they're able, able to work together. And they started be climbing the ladders and, and coming in second. And this time, not just as one or two individuals, but as a team. And so what we need to understand is this. Let's talk about real life, for example, you know. Let, write this down. Don't be afraid of misfits. A lot of times we are okay with being part of a team provided that that's the dream team. That's the best team. But actually, if the team was already perfect before you joined them, then by you joining them, they become imperfect. Because if they were already perfect, they didn't need any more addition. So the next time you see a perfect place, don't go. The next time you see a perfect church, don't join. Because by you joining, you, you bring down the attendance. <laughs> And what we need to understand is this is also a godly principle. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2, you have King David, you know, a man that was known to be one of the uh, most famous kings of whole of Israel. You know, he was a mighty man of battle and he was always David and his mighty man. But the truth is this, when the men first joined David, they were anything but mighty. In fact, the Word of God says that everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to Him. So He became captain over them. He didn't reject them. He, he, he chose to take ownership. He chose to be a team player. And, they, and there were about 400 men with Him. Can you imagine working in a team? I'm not sure about universities nowadays. How, how big is a, is a team? Engineering students, how big is your team usually? About five, six people, eight people. About there, five, six to eight people. Can you imagine, you know, you were the only person who was put together and you got other six, other seven people who really need Jesus. You know, let's just, you know, I, I won't call them names, but you know, they, they, they know there's some people who need Jesus and there's some people who need Jesus. And then, you know, can you imagine dealing with like, oh my word. And the thought of carrying comes into your mind. I got to carry my team. David had to carry 400 other men. But that's impossible. You can't carry 400 other men. 
So what did he do? He chose to work with them. He chose to whip them into shape. He chose to train them. He chose to apply some action. So after you accept the fact that you need a team, the second thing you got to do is that you got to invest into it. You got to work it. In fact, it's this not just King David, even the son of David, Jesus himself. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. Today, we talk about the apostles. We think of church planters, miracle workers, great preachers, but yet they didn't always start like that. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, Jesus describes this, And when He had called His twelve disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. So praise God, you know, God still empowered them. But how were they actually? Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the Simon of Zebedee, John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labrius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Nobody ever remembers that name. When you, when you say, name your favourite apostle, you know, you probably name Peter twice. Simon, Peter, same person. Uh, John, and then John, because there's two Johns. Anyway, you know, but there's other people. Simon, the Canaanite, Judas, Iscariot, who also betrayed him. They were far from perfect. Fishermen, non-educated men. Hot-tempered men. John and James, they were also known as the sons of thunder. They were not part of a superhero team. They were just really hot-headed people. They liked to blow their fuse at every opportunity. Yet God gave them power. You know, there was Thomas who we knew as a person who always likes to ask questions. You know, uh, did Jesus really raise from the grave? Uh, I need to put my hands to the... Uh, and yet God used him. You know, and it says here, you know, there were other people, tax collectors. You know, in fact, you know, some translations even say uh, that was, even among them, there was even a, a, a zealot. A zealot was someone who was part of a freedom fighter group. So these were, you know, you want to call them troublemakers. But in other words, Jesus' team was far from perfect. The perfect God put together an imperfect team to show the importance of teamwork. It's not about the search for perfection. It's about working our way towards perfection. And so, you know, if, if this is how Jesus worked, if this is how King David worked, this is how we ought to work. So I pray that from now onwards, when you go back, I'm not sure how many of you here have teamwork assignments. Maybe the year is ending, you know, or maybe next year you have teamwork assignments. Come on, you know, don't be afraid. But learn to say, you know what? If Jesus can, can whip 12 into shape, you know, by God's grace, with the Holy Spirit with me, I can, I, can, I can do something with this team as well. And I don't need to be a team leader uh, to be able to help the team work well together. Amen? What about your family? Let's just switch gears and talk about the other team that we don't like to talk about family. Because we never talk about our family like our team. You know, have you met my team? No, you go like, have you met my family? with a certain tone of like, mm, please, you know, they need Jesus. And the truth is this, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect family, but the question we need to ask ourselves today, how are you investing into your family? There's no such thing as the perfect sibling. Maybe the question you got to ask yourself is, when was the last time you invested into your siblings? Some of us, we have great relationships with our siblings, you know, you know, sisters are like best friends. And yet on the other spectrum, we have brothers who are from the same mother and father, but have no knowledge of each other. They can be living in the same postcode, but never interact. 
You know, there's some people I meet, Christians. Hey, you have a brother, right? Yeah. Why? Why? Oh, nothing. Well, we're nothing. No, nothing. I know nothing about my brother. <laughs> we have nothing in common. We have no communication. We have yet. That's your team. So the question you got to ask yourself, you know, instead of complaining, how come my brother's like that? How come my sister's like that? How come my parents like that? What are you doing? If you have parents that are not yet saved, what are you doing to enhance the team? I'm praying. That's great. But maybe there are other things you can do as well. You know, do you know one of the most powerful ways to preach the gospel to your family members is sometimes by changing your lifestyle. You know, I still remember, you know, when I used to do campus ministry and used to encourage students to go sign up for camp and they always give this excuse. Two excuses, I don't have enough money or my parents won't allow me to go away for a weekend with church. And for the second group, I always tell them, well, let me give you this strategy. Today, when you go back, I want you to do this, okay? And they're waiting for some deep spiritual advice, okay? I want you to go clean your room. What? Clean your room, clean your room. Okay. Okay, it's so the second day. What do you do? Oh, 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 second day, help around the house. Okay, start with a room and then enlarge your territory to around the house. Third day, you know, look out for your other siblings and help them with the homework. And if they're younger than you, take care of them. If they're older than you, honor them. You know, the fourth day, wash your parents' car. By the fifth day, they will be asking you, son, what's wrong? <laughs> and then that's when you're going to say, there's nothing. I just just wanted to love you guys. By the way, can I go for camp? And you'll be saying yes. And your dad might even, you know, give you enough money to answer problem number one, which was, I did have enough money. Do you know sometimes the biggest difference we can make to the people's lives is nothing supernatural. Amen? It's about that genuine investment of care and concern. At Holmes last week, we learned about the miraculous transformation of Zacchaeus. Do you know that Jesus never did anything supernatural for Zacchaeus? No signs and wonders were performed to make Zacchaeus go like, you know what, today I'm a changed man. I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor and if I had cheated anyone, please come and settle your debts with me. I will return you what I cheated fourfold. Was there any miracle done before that? Nothing. In fact, Jesus did the opposite. Not only did he self-invite himself to Zacchaeus' house, he demanded that Zacchaeus feed him. Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner at your place. I hope you, you're cooking or your servants are cooking. But guess what? I'm going to be there. And that act, that act of investment of time, of care, of friendship, maybe you're going to invest some friendship into your family. How about your housemates? That's a team. Oh, Pastor, we never talk about team that way. We'll start talking about team that way because that's how God created. What about church? Are you investing to each other? Are you investing to homes? Or are you a dine and dasher? You know, RSVP very late for homes. Oops. And then come eat and then you're the first to bounce. Bye, I'll see you on Sunday. And then the poor home leader is there washing the dishes. Thinking of Jesus. Jesus, you died for me so the least I could do is wash the dishes. How are you investing into church? Are you working it? Amen. A lot of people are on that search for that perfect church. Uh, don't like the church of preaching not good. Why don't you help the preaching? How do you help the preaching? Say a yes and amen. If you say a yes and amen to every time the preacher preaches, that pastor, that preacher is going to preach more confidently. 
Amen? <laughs> and still no response from church. Because you go like, Pastor, we know you're very confident, so you don't need any yes. No! Invest in your team. You know, oh, the worship's not hot. Oh, you can make it hot. How do you make it hot? By worshipping along. By singing along. You know, don't, don't just wait for blessing to be handed to you. Come on, put yourself up. Put yourself up and, and get involved. But what about the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about Team Holy Spirit because that, that's us. That's all of us. Are we spending energy and effort to work with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Are we even acknowledging that we need the Holy Spirit? Whether you like it or not, we need the Holy Spirit. Whether you like it or not, He is God. And whether you like it or not, He is in your life. And so you can either choose not to work with Him and uh, live with untapped potential. It's like someone being given the latest smartphone, insert whatever model you prefer or brand you prefer here, and only using it to make phone calls. Oh, I become a Christian, so I pray, phone call. You know, I carry my Bible around, you carry your phone around. But then all that power, all that potential, all those Holy Spirit testimonies untapped because you, A, either didn't want to be bothered and you didn't spend time. The question you got to ask is this. We talk about spending time with God's Word and that's very important. But when was the last time you spent time with the Holy Spirit? Wow, silence. When was the last time you cried out to the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, you live in me. You're the closest one to me. I need your wisdom. When was the last time we did that? Come on, start investing into Team Holy Spirit and start reaping the rewards. Amen? Point number three is acknowledgement. Accept that you need a team. Put in some action, work to develop your team. And the best teams are a result of acknowledgement. Let's watch this clip. So the movie ends, in case you didn't know that was the ending of the movie, ends where, you know, the, the, the first movie, because this is, even though it's a sequel, it's actually a prequel. I know that sounds confusing. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know from Monsters, Inc. that Mike and Sully are an amazing team. But that amazing team got to where they were at by going up the ranks little by little. From the mail room to the janitors, to the cafeteria workers, to the can wranglers, to the scare team. But it all started when they, instead of fighting against each other, began to acknowledge each other's strengths. And how together, when you start acknowledging, actually, you know, we're together as a team. And actually, you know, even though I'm the team leader, I don't have all the answers and all of you got your, each of your own strengths. Can you imagine being a team leader who works that way? A team leader who, who leads by acknowledging the team, their strengths, their talents. That team's going to work well. That team's going to go far. And similarly, you know, God desires us to be like that. And the first step we've got to acknowledge is acknowledge that we need the Holy Spirit and acknowledge that actually, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. Just like how, you know, you had, you know, uh, uh, Sally just go like, actually, it's, it's you, Mike. It's you. You were the one who, who did this. You were the one who, who caught the pain. It was you, it was you, it was you. And what we need to do is to also start acknowledging, especially when it comes to working on Team Holy Spirit, acknowledging and giving credit 
to the Holy Spirit. Let's go to some scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, go back and read the whole chapter 12. It's very powerful, but today we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 22. Earlier on in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Again, to each one, but together it's the whole team that profits. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Let's pause here for a while. Let's talk about acknowledgement. When was the last time you looked to the Holy Spirit and asked Him for gifts? When was the last time you acknowledged the fact that the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts? Many times you read Scripture and we read all the gifts of the Spirit and we either memorize it for Bible trivia, name the fruits of the Spirit, name the gifts of the Spirit. But how many of us would actually go like, you know what, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you as the only good thing happening in my life. And God, would you start using me? God, would you bless me with some of these gifts? The question we're going to ask ourselves is, when was the last time you asked God for a gift? And I'm not just talking about singing, because we all love that. God, give me a voice to sing. God, give me ability to make money. But what about acknowledging the Holy Spirit on the gifts that matter? When was the last time we did that? You know, so God is saying that, look, it's all these gifts. Would you just start acknowledging me? Would you start admitting, then another word for acknowledging is to admit. Would you admit that you need God's help? Would you admit that, God, I would like to have these gifts. I know it's not just for the elite. This is for everyone because the Bible says it's given to all. It's not given to the anointed. It's given to all, for the profit of all, to each one as the Holy Spirit wills. And the Holy Spirit does want to give out gifts, the question is, He's waiting for us to acknowledge that we need His gifts. Or are we too stubborn for the Holy Spirit? Are we too strong for the Holy Spirit? No, I don't need you. You know, a team, let's go back to the secular world for a while. A team fails when one member, one leader, think that they have all the answers. But a team thrives when everybody gets to contribute, when all of their strengths are acknowledged. And not only does the team contribute, but ownership increases. And so when you begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, the ownership of God's kingdom increases. And I just remember I was a, a young boy and, and, and one of the gifts, and I say this with humility, but, but I can say also with confidence that one of the gifts that God has definitely blessed me with is is the gift of discernment. And I remember, I didn't know why, but when I read this scripture as a kid, that was the one gift that stood out to me. Maybe because I felt I wasn't worthy for the others. And maybe because as a kid, I always felt like I was really not bright. 
And I was always maybe slow to catch certain things, you know. And uh, I still remember one of my weaknesses, uh, and until today, it still is, I'm not good at math. You know, numbers scare me. I know, you know, it's not helpful when you grow up in an Asian environment, you go to a Chinese school, and just automatically people just assume that you, you are good in math. And I'm the walking contradiction, not good in math, but good in linguistics which at the time was like, why, why is language so important? Of course, now the tables have turned. But you know, back then, I, I remember, you know, I would go to math and feel so dumb. I would go to chemistry, and that's another weakness of mine, chemistry. Don't understand the periodic table to save my life. Who made who king and who decided the table was like this? You know, I remember my chemistry teacher said, just don't question the table, just accept the table. And I couldn't. And I felt dumb. And so when I was reading God's Word, I go like, God, I'm so dumb. I don't get concepts like periodic table. I don't get concepts like, you know, the Matrix and not the movie. I get that. But Matrix in terms of that book that you use for math and all these kind of things, algebra. Oh, I know zebras. (laughs) And so I say, God, I need your discernment. I can't figure life out. I'm going to be the guy that is, oh, so I need your discernment to help me read between the lines and to read the room and to read people and to to discern spirits. And guess what? When you start acknowledging your need for Holy Spirit, He responds. Would you acknowledge your need before the Holy Spirit? Many times we ask, how come there are not so much signs and wonders nowadays? When Jesus walked the earth, He was healing left, right, and center. But could it be that not enough believers to ask God for healing? Wow. Because I will be the first to admit, I was too scared to ask God for healing. God, give me healing. Oh, is it too pompous of me to ask that? But maybe God's just saying that, well, that's not your gift. The sermon's your gift. But maybe among here, there are miracle workers waiting to be birthed waiting for you to start acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's read on. In verse 12 to verse 22. Is that okay, church? Just a little bit more scripture to run us off. For as the body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, have been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Wow. If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? Wow. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Wow. Wow. This is some food for thought for leading your teams, isn't it? It's the culture we live in today, you, 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 you like to identify the weakest link. But then the Word of God says you need to glorify the weakest link. You need to invest into the weakest link. Because even though they are weak, maybe they are the, most, the one deserving of most honour. 
And so what we need to understand is this, you know, not only is the Word of God powerful in leading our lives, and I pray that this will help us to maneuver leadership matters when it comes to working together, whether as a team or even as a family. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about family. No, not, not, no one is going to have a perfect family. And each family member, each sibling, as irritating as they might be to you right now, serve a purpose. And when you start acknowledging that, blessing flows. You know, recently what I did was, uh, it was Mother Day, Mother's Day for the rest of the world last weekend, and not for the UK. Um, and I, I just felt led to text you know, my family chat and just wish all three of my sisters happy Mother's Day. Of my three, only two are married and only two have kids, but I wish all three. And I explained, I said that when I was growing up, because of the age gap difference, I always complained that unlike other kids that had only one mom to nag them, I'd have three additional moms to nag me. And for the longest while, I saw it as a burden, as a hassle. But now I acknowledge that I'm actually blessed. And every investment you have made into my life has made me who I am today. I realize now that each part played a role. And it's not, they were not all acting like mom. To me, I perceive them as irritating as mom, but they all played a role. Each sister invested in different ways, role modeled in different ways to me. And I just wish them that. And being typical Asian family, no response. Because <laughs> being Asian, you do not say thank you, or that was sweet, you just... Anyway. <laughs> but one sister... See, when you start acknowledging each strength, you, the Bible just says that you start working together as a body. You actually start functioning. Is your family dysfunctional? Could the key be starting to acknowledge their strengths and their weaknesses and say thank you, even to the weakest, most irritating member? We all love everyone here, don't worry, just to say as an example. And then functionality begins to be restored. And so my sister texts me back privately. Because typical Asian way, you show your affection behind closed doors. So privately, and I didn't expect this. She apologized. I did not expect it because I did not hold any grudge. And yet she apologized and says that I must apologize. Looking back, there were so many times I was so, you know, serious and so overbearing. There were so many times the words she used, I tried to put you under my authority. But I realized now that that was wrong and if I had done anything, and of course I said, what? No. No apologies needed. You know, I'm just so blessed to have you in my life. Do you see? Healing happens. Restoration happens. Could it be that what your team needs, whether that team be your school team, your coursework team, your family, your homes, no, we all love each other in homes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe what it needs is a little bit of acknowledgement, a little bit of appreciation, a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of healing. Maybe that's what you need. But most importantly, let's switch gears now, Team Holy Spirit. Would you start acknowledging? Could it be that the reason you're stuck in your walk with God and how freedom and breakthrough feels like a phase. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
You know, you, you experience freedom and breakthrough, but it feels like that freedom and that breakthrough doesn't last long. And it feels like bondage and addiction is more your truth, even though you're set free. Could it be that the dysfunction in your walk with God is because of a lack of acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit and what He has to offer? And for all this while, you've been trying to break free from your dysfunction with your own strength, not realizing that the Holy Spirit has all these gifts in store for you. And all you need to do is start acknowledging Him. A famous preacher once said this, that his ministry started to thrive when one day he felt the Holy Spirit say, how come you never say good morning to me? And he goes like, what? And later on, God used him to write a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And it became a habit of him because he realized that if Jesus is God with us, then Holy Spirit is God in me. And so every morning when I wake up, isn't it powerful to acknowledge the Holy Spirit and say, the Holy Spirit, morning, I acknowledge you in my life even right now from the first opening of my eyes. Before I even check my WhatsApp, I say what's up to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my desire is for us to start accepting that we need a team, start applying some action to make that team work, and last but not least, to start acknowledging the different members of that team. And as believers, let's start acknowledging the Holy Spirit and how much we need Him, and let's begin to take off from there on. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. It is powerful. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. It gives us instructions. It gives us wisdom on how to live our life here in a way that glorifies You, but it is also a collection of principles for us to live a life that glorifies You. So God, today, I pray that, Lord, besides just learning how to be a good team player, how to lead our teams well, how to how to keep the peace in the team and how to, you know, bring our team to victory. I pray that we will also acknowledge the need to work on team Holy Spirit. God, forgive us for the many times we don't even feel like we need to check with you. We don't even feel like we need to depend on you. But God, today, our minds are changed and transformed. We need you, Holy Spirit, more than the air we breathe. And so, Holy Spirit, Lord, we accept the fact, the truth that you are in our lives and that we need you. Holy Spirit, would you help us to work on our relationship? God, we admit that while our walk with you is good for some, but our walk with the Holy Spirit leaves much room for improvement. Holy Spirit, we want to grow more sensitive to you Holy Spirit, we want to grow more familiar with You. Holy Spirit, we want to grow more in love with You. And God, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to let the bad experiences that we have regarding what we understand as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit rob us from intimacy with You, Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to put into action time spent with you. Leaning on your strength. Leaning on your wisdom. 
Your word says, God, that when you created us, you said that I need to make man a helper. And yet when Jesus described you, Holy Spirit, He said, it is good that I go because then my Father will send another helper, the Holy Spirit. And God, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge that we need you. And we acknowledge that your gifts are real. Help us as a church, not just to be named Acts Church, but help us to be like the church in the days of Acts, united together as a team, but also each being blessed with different giftings, all used for your glory. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge the need for your gifts to build our church, to build our walk, to build and restore functionality to the dysfunction in our families and in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.